From KGW News, this is Straight Talk with Laurel Porter. Hello and welcome to Straight Talk. I'm Laurel Porter. In one week, Oregon will play host to some of the best track and field athletes on the planet. Some of them have already arrived for the World Athletics Championships. It is the first time ever the event's been held in the U.S. And where better to hold it than historic Hayward Field at the University of Oregon in Eugene. In this episode of Straight Talk, we'll hear from Oregon Governor Kate Brown on what the event means to the state. And we'll see how one town ravaged by the wildfires of 2020 is rebuilding and preparing to host one of the teams. Then in our next segment, voters will decide in November whether to fundamentally change Portland's form of government. We'll hear from the head of the Charter Commission on the suggested changes and some of City Council's concerns. But first, Tracktown USA gets ready to welcome the world. The World Athletics Championships runs from July 15th through the 24th, bringing top athletes, including Olympians and world record holders to Hayward Field. It was recently renovated and widely considered the best track and field stadium in the United States. The impact of the World Athletic Championships really cannot be overstated. This is the most prestigious track and field event that happens in the world. It's one of the largest sporting events that happens on a global stage. It's perhaps only uh, uh, surpassed by the Olympics and World Cup soccer. That's the CEO of Travel Oregon, Todd Davidson. He's one of many Oregon leaders with high hopes for the event's potential impact on the state's economy and reputation. My colleague Pat Doris had a chance to speak with Governor Brown about how Oregon landed such a large event and what it means for the state to be on the world stage. So, big track meet coming. You've got to be fired up for that. I am absolutely excited uh, to host the entire world at Tracktown USA in Eugene, Oregon. Uh, we are excited to have athletes from over 200 countries, obviously media, and folks, fans coming to watch the games. We expect thousands of people. It's an opportunity to showcase the beauty and bounty of Oregon. It's an opportunity to highlight the amazing small businesses and the products we produce in the state of Oregon, and obviously an opportunity to boost our economy. How did Oregon land this thing? That is a great question, but I have to believe it all revol revolves around Hayward Field. The magic and the history of Hayward Field. This is truly where uh, track and field uh, started. It is the heart and soul of track and field across the United States. And I have to say, the athletes that I have talked to, the American athletes, are so excited about competing at this event on U.S. soil. I think I heard or read that you got a, like a private tour of the whole stadium. Yes, I did. What was that like? It was extraordinary. Uh, what is happening there uh, in terms of the physical work and their ability to measure athletes' progress and their ability to help train underneath the stadium is really extraordinary. This is work that is gonna help our athletes across the entire United States, I think. And it's amazing that usually countries are awarded this, and this time it's Eugene, Oregon. Yes, prior to this, Doha, London, Beijing, and now Eugene, Oregon. Again, it's the first time 
in the history of these games uh, that our athletes will be able to compete on U.S. soil. It is the first time uh, that Americans will be able to see the World Athletics Championships on U.S. soil. And it's all because of Hayward Field and the magic and the history that's there. And I think I'd be remiss if I didn't ask about security. Mm. You got a whole bunch of people and it's a dangerous world we live in. What do you think? Is, will it be safe? Absolutely. I had an opportunity to go to the prior games in Doha. And what I learned from that event is that people, of course, want to have fun, but they also want to be safe and secure. My security detail was with me at that time. Uh, we obviously uh, took lessons from Doha and we'll be implementing them uh, at uh, Hayward Field in Eugene. But I'm confident that folks are going to be safe and that they're going to have a lot of fun. What I have to tell you, what also blew me away from being at Doha is the extraordinary capacity of these athletes, the fact that you are so close to them and you can see them competing on the field. And my understanding is Hayward Field is one of the best in the world. It's really an extraordinary opportunity for Oregon. It is so exciting. Travel Oregon estimates direct spending by athletes, teams, and fans during the competition could range from $50 million to $200 million. Plus, NBC will be broadcasting 43 hours of the event. We also asked the governor about the dollars and attention it will bring in. Uh, I think the uh, economic impact of having uh, these games be in Oregon is going to be amazing, phenomenal. And the timing couldn't be better as we uh, come to the end of the pandemic and uh, it's an incredible opportunity uh, for Oregon tourism. More importantly, I expect uh, a billion people to be watching these games. It's amazing opportunity for the rest of the world to see Oregon. And probably a chance for Oregon to rebrand itself or remind people that it's a safe place that doesn't have riots every night? Right, absolutely, that um, it's an amazing place for tourism, that we've got incredible beauty and bounty, 363 miles of Oregon coastline that's publicly accessible to the high desert, to the mountains, uh, that this is the place uh, for tourists to come and see what's going on. The World Athletics Championships are not just bringing attention to Eugene. One of the towns badly damaged in the 2020 wildfires is playing host to the Irish team who just arrived in Oregon this week. Our Christine Pitawanich recently visited Vida to see how they were getting ready. We're here in the beautiful Mackenzie River Valley, about 30 miles east of Eugene in the small town of Vida wildfire tore through this area in 2020. This community is really in all stages of rebuilding, but as it continues to rebuild and recover, something exciting is on the horizon for this area. This gorgeous state-of-the-art eight-lane certified track in Vida will be hosting the Irish team as they prepare to run in the Oregon 22 World Athletic Championships. For the Irish to come here, we are honored. Uh, my name is Cliff Richardson and uh, I've uh, basically lived up here on the McKenzie all my life. I'm a third generation uh, person up here. For people and like Cliff uh, Richardson, having the opportunity to showcase the McKenzie River Valley is something special. It's been a hard couple of years after the holiday farm fire devastated this area. Richardson's wife, Connie, took this video. You can look 360 around us. This was all on fire. 
While there are still many challenges, especially around housing, recovery is underway. There's green grass growing on the hillsides and it's just a, a really good feeling to see it come back. On the rebound is also excitement and hope with news that the small town of Vida will be hosting the Irish team for the Oregon 22 World Athletics Championships. My name is uh, Michael Bergman and I'm the vice president of the McKinsey Community Track, but also the president of the Portland Track Organization. And Michael Bergman is the man behind the mission here in Vida. About two years ago, he reached out to Oregon 22, Travel Oregon, and then began reaching out to individual teams on his own to coordinate housing. I've talked to Sweden, uh, the Czech Republic. I see the value of popping up track meets in rural communities that can be welcoming and 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 really take ownership in it. You know, I called myself the Airbnb for tracks. During our meeting, Bergman took an important call from Ireland. I'm at the track. Here, I'll switch it to video call. Let me see. The intent to show David, who handles logistics for the Irish team, the facilities here. We got a chance to hop on the call, too. How are you feeling coming all the way from Ireland to our little community here in Oregon? Um, of course, the, the team is excited. I mean, um, the World Championships is a massive event, and um, you know, it's it's uh, from what athletes know, it's it's called Tracktown USA, and you know, Mackenzie's a little uh, a little ways down the way from Tracktown, but they're excited to to, to get there and um, you know put some good work in ahead of uh, what could be a busy summer. Leading up to Oregon 22, the team's days will be spent running on this track and resting here, 10 minutes up the road. We are putting them up at the, the McKinsey Camp, which is a former USA Basketball Academy. There's you know, six lodges and cabins, full cafeteria, commercial kitchen. We're working with their staff and working with the menus to try to create really healthy choices. It has everything. Bergman hopes hosting the Irish will bring jobs and help give this community a boost. Just a phenomenal opportunity for the entire community. Back at the track, this place holds a deeper meaning for Richardson and dozens of others. Not only did it survive the fire, it helped people survive. My wife and I, this was our anniversary here, surrounded and trapped by the fire. So us and about uh, well, 35 neighbors or so were, were literally trapped here. We couldn't go east or west. And but they survived, and so did the Mackenzie River Valley. It's been ravished by the fire, but before the fire, it was, uh, and it still is beautiful. And we're out here in paradise, what we consider to be our paradise. And to show it off to the world and the team from Ireland, we're very excited. Invita, Christine Pitawanich, KGW News. And we welcome all the athletes. After two years of construction, Eugene's new riverfront park is ready just in time for the competition. The park spreads across four acres downtown, running along the Willamette River. This will be the site of a festival for community members during the World Athletics Championships. In addition to food and entertainment, there will also be a live stream for people to keep an eye on all the competition. And the state of Oregon is well represented on the medals winners will get. They feature a tree trunk on the front, while the back showcases Oregon's natural beauty from the mountains to the coast the governor was talking about. The medals are made of Corian, then inlaid with the traditional gold, silver, and bronze.
and you'll be able to watch some of the championships right here on KGW starting July 15th. And stay tuned for a special edition of The Story live from Eugene on Monday, July 18th at 6 p.m. with more on what it took to put on this major event. And coming up next here, Portland's unique, quirky commission form of government has been blamed for a lack of meaningful action on a number of the city's problems. Now voters have a chance to change it. We'll look at the proposed changes and why at least two city council members have concerns. We're back in two minutes. Welcome back to Stray Talk. I'm Laurel Porter. Portland's unique commission form of government dates back nearly 110 years. Portland is the only major U.S. city that still has a commission system. It's often been called dysfunctional, yet Portlanders have voted against changing it numerous times. Well, now they'll get another chance this November. A 20-member charter commission is recommending reforms that would fundamentally reshape the structure of the city's government and elections. Those changes include ranked choice voting. No more primaries, just one election in November, with voters ranking the candidates by order of preference. A second change expands the number of council members. Instead of the mayor and four commissioners being elected at large, the Charter Commission recommends the council have 12 members from four different geographic districts. The charter changes would also stop city commissioners from overseeing bureaus themselves. That role would go to the mayor and a professional city administrator. That would be a new role. Commissioners would instead focus on passing laws, meeting with constituents, and working on the budget. But not everyone on the city council is on board with those recommended changes. They got to question the charter commission at a meeting late last month. Mayor Ted Wheeler and Commissioner Mingus Maps brought up concerns about the model being untested and too complicated for just one ballot measure. Why not use a plug and play form of government, something that already exists in a city like Atlanta or Denver or Seattle or Boston or somewhere else where they've had decades to live with that model and tweak it and improve it? Why not seek a model like that that is, you know, I, I guess in, in government speak, we call that an established best practice. Why not do that instead of taking the risk of proposing something completely new? Um, if I understand it correctly, this is going to be one, a single ballot measure, um, which surprises me and it surprises me for a couple of reasons. Uh, one is, I think there's a state law that uh, out there that says that, um, that uh, basically ballot initiatives should deal with one topic. But when I take a look at like the city manager thing, the multi-member district thing, the rent choice thing, the um, expanding the size of council thing, those strike me as being really fundamentally different questions. Charter Commission members got to speak directly to City Council during that meeting. Then we caught up afterward with the co-chair of the commission, Melanie Billings-Yoon. Here is a portion of her interview with our Pat Doris. What did you think of the reception from the City Council yesterday? I thought it was interesting that the mayor felt that we were not giving enough power to the mayor. And the commissioners felt that we were undermining uh, the role of the, of the counselors by increasing the size. Do you think it's just a, a, a classic, we're the people in power and we're threatened by the change in the system? I do. 
is there any way to overcome that? Um, well, ultimately, when the system is changed, there will be um, a lot of new people in power. Um, and I don't, I don't think you ever change the, the sense that, that people are losing something. We're, we're seeing that across the nation. People don't like it when they're in a comfortable position and that position or what they believe that position should be is taken, is taken away. But what we have really aimed at is broadening the representation in the city, especially given more representation and more attention to the east side of the city. And traditionally, that has not been where the city has been run. Interesting, thank you. And Commissioner Maps, uh, I talked with him earlier today and he was just reiterating his concern that the uh, multi-candidate, multiple district, ranked choice voting has never been done anywhere, and he's concerned that it will make things more dysfunctional, not less. Um, unfortunately, um, that's not true. Uh, it's been used in Cambridge uh, since 1941 uh, to great effect. It is used in 40 out of 42 countries in Europe. It's used in 85 countries around the world. Um, it's used in uh, very effectively the, the exact same system we have in Australia for over 100 years. Um, so that is, that is not the case. Um, the other thing that I'd like to respond to is that the um, Mingus Maps and uh, Badim, have, Mazursky, have talked about how this would mean that we have three representatives per district and that would be much worse than what we have now, which are four elected officials at large representing no district whatsoever. And so what Portland is, in fact, is one large multi-member district. The only difference being that this is being elected um, by a winner-take-all method. All right, so uh, what's your position in front of the voters then? I, I gather you think it's the best system possible and should be approved? Well, ob obviously I do, yes, absolutely. When we started this process, we didn't start out by saying what should we what should we change in the Portland uh, government? What we started out with was talking to a lot of Portlanders, a lot of Portlanders, thousands of Portlanders, and learning what are mo is most important to them and to us as a commission. And we listed among the most important things, participatory and growing democracy, reflective representation, and representation of all areas of the city. So what we put together was a system that has been proven, and you can read studies by Cornell, American Academy of Arts and Sciences, Tufts, and so on, a system that maximizes the voice of all the people of the city, rather than just a privileged few. Okay, and when you're talking about the system that's being used all over the world and in all these countries, is it, is it a piece of that? Is it just the ranked choice voting or is it all of it? I was referring to uh, multi-member proportional representation, so multi-member choice voting. When you look at ranked choice voting alone, that one, as you probably know, is absolutely taking off uh, in the United States. I think we have currently, uh, I'm gonna say a number that might be slightly wrong, but I think 53 uh, 53 jurisdictions in, in the U.S. is using it now, and it will grow in, in 2024. And so it is, it's a strongly developing system right now. It is not particularly new, and it's certainly not untested. And if this goes down, would it be another 10 years before we'd get a shot at this? Because 
city council is making rumblings of, well, if it got voted down, we could just uh, send the pieces we'd like to the voters later. Um, I, I strongly think that would not be able to happen. Um, it's, it, this would mean it would be voted down five times, at least the form of government which they're most interested in. The last time they even tried was 2007, so it was another 15 years before they felt able to, to try again. Certainly, I think it would take a minimum of 10 years, but the, every time they voted it down, it's been voted down that one method, the change of the, uh, of the um, commission form of government. It's, the numbers have become higher because people are, get used to saying no. So I think that it would be, it would be very damaging to our city. And Commissioner Maps has said if voters do strike down the ballot measure, the city council could submit its own plan as early as next year. The city would not need to wait another 10 years for change, as the co-chair of the Charter Commission had said. At the same time, political action committees are forming to oppose the ballot measure. We spoke with Chuck Duffy, who's leading the Partnership for Common Sense Government. Now, he agrees Portland's form of government is not working, but he says the changes the Charter Commission is proposing are too radical. I think people want a city manager I want a ma and they want a mayor. They want the bureaus taken away from the commissioners, given to the city manager. They like districts, but I don't think they're going to want three-member districts tied to multi-member uh, districts and ranked choice voting. It's a recipe for chaos. Duffy and Mayor Wheeler also take issue with the mayor's office not having veto power over council decisions. And then there is the question of cost. Opponents say increasing the size of city council will end up being a huge investment without much benefit to citizens. But the Charter Commission believes overall staffing and the cost to run the government shouldn't increase much once the transition is over. We have been given estimates by the city that go from the, from the lowest cost to the highest cost. And if we look at um, the annual cost difference, for example, they are looking at a minimum of 0.2, a maximum of 1.4% of the discretionary budget. And the discretionary budget in and of itself is only 10% of the budget. So we're not looking at anything that should have to require higher taxes. And I would point out that the numbers they've given us are exclusive of cost savings. So it, it doesn't appear that it would be um, much more expensive. One thing we need to bear in mind is that even though the number of city council has not grown since uh, 1913, doesn't mean the size of government hasn't grown. And the number of the aides that they have had to call on to help them run the bureaus and help them do their work has not grown. So it may just be a shuffling around of more counselors doing the work themselves, less reliant on expensive aids. We are woefully short on police in this city, this most people agree. And uh, the issue with this spending this kind of money is that it's spent without providing any more services to the people of the city. The citizens would spend all this money and it's on staff and offices and elected officials and PERS benefits. It's, it provides nothing in terms of public safety, uh, police, fire, transportation, parks, roads. 
Now, do keep in mind the Charter Commission, whose members were appointed by the City Council, spent 18 months surveying Portlanders to come up with that plan. And though some on City Council may not like what they decided on, they can't actually stop the ballot measure from moving forward. There are also supporters of the plan forming PACs to convince voters to approve the Charter Commission proposal. So expect this to be a heated campaign going forward. You're going to hear a lot about it. And then if you're a Portland voter, look for this issue on the ballot Tuesday, November 8th. We want to thank you for watching Straight Talk. You just heard that tone. The QR code's really important. If you'd like to find Straight Talk as a podcast, you can find it wherever you get your podcasts. Or just scan that QR code with the camera on your phone there at the corner of your screen, and we will send you a link for more information. And join us next week. We're going to look at the impact the Supreme Court's decision to overturn Roe v. Wade could have on women's health. And we have a University of Oregon assistant professor on talking about law, policy, and the ripple effects of the decision. And also a fertility doctor from OHS you to talk about how the decision could affect fertility treatments and IVF going forward. That's all coming up next week on Straight Talk. We'll see you then. Have a great week.